0: Welcome to the Mama Needs a Moment podcast. We're your hosts, Chrissy and Cindy, co-founders of Her Health Collective. We are two moms obsessed with revolutionizing the way moms take care of themselves. Every other week, we
1: dive into the topics that matter to moms most, answering your most pressing questions as we learn from top-notch experts. Swap stories, tap into our creative sides, and advocate for the causes that moms truly care about, all while hanging with your mom friends.
0: We're so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Today, we had the distinct pleasure of sitting down with Paula Katula, a licensed clinical social worker who has been working with children and families for over 20 years. Paula holds a master's degree in social work, a diploma in Montessori education, is a certified yoga teacher, and is trained in EMDR, sand play therapy, play therapy, and transformational leadership. Paula is the creator and host of a massively successful online parenting summit called Becoming a Peaceful Parent. She has developed a unique approach to parenting based on a powerful transformational leadership framework which she is using to empower parents to become conscious and confident and inspiring parents so they can create authentic, connected, loving relationships with their children. This conversation is packed with so much wisdom and powerful insights. We hope you are able to take away just as much as we were. Let's dive in.
1: Paula, we're so glad to have you here, and you're a wonderful support for Her Health Collective. We've had you visit us on several occasions, and we're just beyond thrilled to have you here on the podcast with us today.
2: Good I am you. so excited, so excited to be here with you today and have this beautiful, wonderful, in-depth conversation. And that is my intention too, is to take things deeper because of, I feel like a lot of the pressure on parenting, it comes from the society, it comes from social media, it comes from all these illusions of images of happy family and what happiness is and you know there's this idea of happiness trap too like so we are like in this hamster wheel of trying to get to something that doesn't actually exist so i want to interrupt that (laughs) and you know go to the source level and, and take the conversation deeper from the surface level so that's my intention as well today so that it really resonates in the core of everybody who is listening today
1: Well, we're so excited to dive deep on various different questions, but first we want to help our listeners get to know you Mm -hmm. a little bit more and who you are behind your profession. We know you're not a mom, but you are a parent coach and have a unique lens on motherhood through your work. So we'd love for you to fill in this blank. Motherhood
2: is motherhood is being and doing whatever it takes to love your children to be there for them to meet their developmental needs I'm all about supporting parents in how can you meet the developmental needs of the children without getting triggered stressed and overwhelmed right (laughs) because that's the piece that comes in the way of the connection with the child it's our own stuff whether you're a parent or like I'm a child therapist, you know, there's our own stuff that always comes in the way. So realizing that we can actually redesign who we are, we are not fixed. We are not like, oh, that's just the way I am. And that's it. End of story. No, we get to be and do whatever it takes to provide children whatever they need in the present moment. And right before we jumped on, I was I mentioned the, the creative expression of the present moment, which means we don't know what it is at any given moment we don't know and so you just get to trust yourselves that through your own connection and just that attachment and attunement with the child deep listening and understanding you'll be able to figure that out like my invitation is to let go of a lot there's a lot of and these are super helpful sometimes you know step one two three do this 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 and this and do whatever those are the mechanics of parenting super super important as well but it doesn't begin there it begins with who we are so that's my answer to that it's just doing and being whatever it takes and that's the same for me too you know like I'm, I'm not a parent I'm not a mom but when I work with children I constantly try to figure out like okay who do I get to be right now for this child to be able to fully express themselves and heal themselves. Oh my gosh,
1: we could definitely tell that you work with kids and parents all the time because we have never had an answer like that.
2: Oh, <laughs> that <was okay>. amazing!
1: <laughs> That's wonderful. What is bringing your life sanity right now?
2: You know, right now, what's bringing uh, it, a couple of different things. The way I start my day. So for a longest time, my my day was like the alarm rings. I pop up and I just jump into the day without really thinking too much, without crowning myself. So for a uh, couple of years now, I changed that pattern. So in the morning, I take a full hour before I check the phone. I make my coffee. I go back to bed. I'm reading. I'm meditating. I'm journaling. I'm writing. I'm like... I'm filling my cup because my days are really crazy. My days are really abundant with lots and lots of connection, lots of meetings. So in order for me to be able to be generous and to give, I get to give to myself first. So I've learned the value of creating that sacred space in the morning. Like, and that's a non-negotiable, like nothing's going to change that. Even if I have super busy long days, like I did last week, where I was coaching in this training program. And we started super early. But I get up earlier, because that time is so precious. So that's really grounding for me. So it feels like every day is a new day. Every day is a restart. I never bring yesterday to today. Wow. Never bring Um, yesterday to today.
1: There's a couple things in there. One, I really wanted to ask you what your mornings were like, but we didn't we couldn't fit that in, but thanks for yeah, putting that in there, there. it is. Yeah. Yeah. And the other part of it was I can imagine being a mental health therapist, that it is imperative for you to have your own self-care regimen because you give so much of your energy to others that you desperately need to refill that cup. So it's great to hear
2: that you do that. And it's the same same thing as parents. I mean, you guys are with the kids 24-7. Like, yeah, I get a break. Like, I, you know, there's a point in time when, okay, now Zoom is off, everything is off, and I get a break. But parents don't. You are with the child all the time. So I view energy as something that is flowing through me so i'm connecting into the universal energy around me and i'm just a conduit i'm i'm just like a antenna through which a lot of stuff flows but i get to keep that channel clear which is why the morning routine or whatever you you have going on is is really important even if it's like 10 minutes i know as a parent you you know the days get super early and hectic but even if it's 10 minutes and really training your body and mind to a point where one breath can feel like a vacation that's what I do sometimes like I have back to back to back to back clients and I get to be 100% like people get to have 100% of me all the time that's my task and I view the same thing for children as well The reason why you get to take care of yourself is because you get to be your 100% authentic, radiant, loving, kind, compassionate, understanding self. And this is possible. This is possible when you put yourself first, when you fill your cup from this place and tap into that universal energy. So through the transformational work that I'm doing, and this is really important to hear, I want this to land, energy is a choice. Energy is a choice. Everything is a choice. So my old self, like I had this story like, ah, oh, I need a lot of sleep. And if I don't get my sleep, my day is ruined. I'm cranky. I'm irritable. I'm tired. Like it's just the day feels like oh, I'm climbing a mountain. I'm climbing a mountain. I'm like, and I just decided, you know what? That is not a way to live. I don't want to live every single day of my life feeling like I'm climbing the Mount Everest, right? True. So I decided that energy is a choice. And what that means is that even if my body is experiencing fatigue, so there's a difference. I am tired. When we say I am tired, now you are fully identifying your entire being being tired. When we do that, we have an experience of being tired, If I say, I am experiencing my body being tired, however, I choose to commit today to be joyful, to be connected, to be loving. Now that's a different story. So I can be, my body can experience fatigue and being tired and sleepy, whatever. However, my mental emotional state is one of connection and joy and abundance and I've been practicing that for a long time now and it works. It's like changed my life when I started doing that. And I want to also for the listeners to hear like, wow, what is possible as a parent to live from that place? You know, and that doesn't negate that things are hard and it's, it's really, especially parents of young, young children and babies who are up all night and still my invitation is to live in the possibility that you can choose, it always comes down to the choice of creating presence or connection or whatever it is that you want to create. But if we believe the story, like, well, I'm tired and therefore I'm cranky or I'm irritable, that's exactly what we create then.
1: Hmm. Can't wait to hear more as we go through (laughs) our questions with you. I'm sure you're going to teach us a lot more and I'm excited about that. What do you look for in a friend? As I'm sitting here, I'm like, I think she'd be a great friend. What do you look for in a friend?
2: <laughs> you know, what I look for in a friend is in-depth conversations and connection, like a level of vulnerability and trust and safety. Like that it's it's like a special safe place. Good friends are a special safe place to really share about what's going on and, and what we are experiencing in this life. And that's really, really valuable to have that. And, also, that's one of the, and we know this also from research, is that's one of the, the factors, one of the main factors that uh, creates resiliency against stress is having friends and having connections, you know, to really, uh, for parents too. And that's one way, another way that I feel my cup is having some social contact and having these in-depth conversations and connections with my friends. And yeah. And same thing for parents. And it's like, hear me out. Put yourself first. Put yourself first. Because becoming a mother and sacrificing yourself in the process of raising children doesn't work.
1: Mm, Absolutely.
2: Yeah. You hear me? It's
1: exhausting. Yes. Yes. You grew up in Finland and now you live in San Diego, California. I can bet that you have traveled quite a bit. What has been the best vacation you've ever taken?
2: Oh my gosh. There are so many. I can't really like say this is the best one, but yeah, I have traveled a lot, especially before COVID. So my routine would be to travel to Europe twice a year. We have lived in Italy. And just recently, this year, we lived in Mexico. Yeah, so traveling is part of what fills my cup as well. And I can't wait to travel again and love traveling to Italy and Austria and Germany. My ex-husband is from Austria, so got to know that country very well and fell in love with it. So every time I travel to Europe, I try to definitely visit Vienna well, you're Beautiful. in great
1: company here. Chrissy and I both love to travel, although it hasn't been as frequent, of course, because of the pandemic, but also due to raising kids and all that other stuff, we've had to do a little bit more local traveling versus yeah. the international romping that we used to do. But yeah. anyway, yeah. is there one thing that you'd like to learn? Uh,
2: <laughs> it's so I think funny. I stopped it's her just for kidding. a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny. I'm like, yeah, well, I I love learning. Learning I I'm I'm just I love learning. Like if I didn't stop myself, I would be going to school all the time and learning something. But this is so funny that you ask that. That's why I was laughing because just yesterday I was like, I would love to learn to play an instrument. I'm watching this series on PBS on the brain because I love neuroscience. I love to learn about the brain. And it was just talking about how when you learn to play an instrument, how it really like lights up your brain and it's really activates the brain. And so for kids, it's absolutely Amazing. If you can get them into learning some kind of instrument, it really helps them with their reading. It helps them with their math. It helps them with their memory. It's just like the brain is just like a beautiful symphony happening in the brain in terms of the connections that are created when a person plays an instrument. So that was my latest thing yesterday. I love to learn to play an instrument. Do you know if singing does the same thing?
1: Like you're not actually playing an instrument, but you're using your voice as your oh, instrument? That's
2: a good question. I, I bet it's positive. I, I, I think so. But I think there's also something with the motor movement. Like, so when you play an instrument, your hands or your body is involved, which creates an additional layer of uh, activity and connection in the brain.
1: I got you. Okay.
2: Yeah. Cindy, do you sing?
1: Well, I mean in my shower (laughs) and like around the house and stuff but I don't just you know but my kids sing quite a bit and I've been encouraging them to perhaps get singing lessons and and everything and they're like no and I'm like but really let's do some singing lessons
2: (laughs) yeah and kids aren't they so unrestricted they just like break out into a song and that's the only time when I sing was teaching a preschool class so when I was doing my Montessori so I'm a Montessori um, I have AMI Montessori teaching diploma and obviously singing is part of how we communicate with children but that would be the only time (laughs) I would sing and they would be so cute I would sound absolutely terrible because I have I have no shame in saying that I am a terrible singer but the kids would be Miss Paula you have such a beautiful voice (laughs) And I'm like hmm that's
1: fantastic. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're watching something on PBS right now. Can you fill us in on what you're reading and watching? If there's anything else that you're
2: enjoying right now? Typically, I'm reading a couple of different books all at the same time. So one of the books that I'm reading right now is The Holographic Universe, which is talking about, it goes into quantum physics and all these kind of things, but it also talks about the interconnectedness of things and how through quantum physics what they have discovered that what the entire universe is actually an interconnected web like there is no separation between me you trinity or anything else (laughs) anything else in this world and it's just our experience of disconnection where we feel disconnection so I was thinking about that this morning and really meditating on that because it was such a beautiful way to realize that we actually can never be alone because we are we are connected so this image of being a river came to me you know it's like a river that's flowing and in the river there are all kinds like different could be little whirlpools and different parts of the river that are very unique so those are just like the little whirlpools and little things that are happening in the river are uh, the unique manifestation of who each of us are. But however, we also belong to the river all at the same time. So we are, wow. all, connect, we are all connected and we are individual all at the same time.
1: Oh my gosh, that's fascinating.
2: Yeah. Well, and thank it, you
1: so much for telling us a little bit about you. I, I, I do have a question about how you picture retirement, but I can, I'm going to say probably traveling, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. So my (laughs) retirement traveling, definitely living somewhere. I don't even know where I'll get to figure it out somewhere exotic and nice and warm and probably reading a lot, doing some writing I I can't imagine that I would stop doing what I'm doing. So I'll probably do that still to whatever extent that I can and just doing a lot of yoga as well. So yeah, just kind of doing what I'm doing, but having more time to really focus on some like the creative parts. Yeah, definitely writing. I've been wanting, I love writing. I write a lot of stories and you know, there's, there's a book somewhere there happening. (laughs)
0: We'll, we'll be first in line for that for
2: sure. Okay, great. Great, (laughs) great, great. great.
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of what you're doing right now, you are a parent coach and you have dedicated your entire life to working with kids and families and supporting parents in their parenting. Yet you're not a mom yourself. Can you tell us a bit more about why this work is so important to you? Because
2: I was a child myself. (laughs) I was a child who experienced a sense of abandonment and rejection through uh, parents divorcing. And um, eventually also my father died when I was 17 years old. And there was all these unresolved things from years of disconnection and broken promises so I grew up with an experience my of my childhood was that I'm not important I don't matter I'm unworthy nobody tells me what's going on and from that point then growing up I was always curious about you know the human psyche and like and and really making a commitment to every child in this world to be whatever, again, being and doing whatever it takes to get the kids' needs met. And it really is like, it takes a village to raise children. So I am part of that village. Like, yeah, I'm not a parent myself uh, biologically, but emotionally and psychologically, I'm I'm a parent to each and every child that I work with. I'm a parent to each and every parent that I work with because a lot of parent coaching and therapy is, reparenting and you know parents really parenting their own inner child through that process biologically we are really wired to grow up in intergenerational communities so back in the day when there were families and communities and tribes living together it was the ratio of adults to children was probably something like uh, like four to six Caretakers per one child, tortoise, and that's what it takes. That's that's how the, the the biology of the child and the childhood has has hasn't changed, and the needs of the childhood hasn't changed. So there were and there were different ages of people as well. You know, there were maybe cousins and brothers and sisters, same age, and all the way to the elderly and grandparents, and so children grew up in in that way. And back in the day parents were not as stressed out because there was a community of support so now the society has changed in a way that doesn't really meet the need for children or the parents anymore so that's where I step in and provide whatever support and guidance that I can to be one of the caretakers for the kids so that's how I see it so Kind of like two-way answer one my own experience as a child like really desiring no child ever to feel that way and contributing to the well-being and and healing of children because yeah we all have our wounds we all have traumas i'm a trauma therapist and i understand trauma very well and then being being part of that village to to raise children so that's my calling Yeah, I have no doubt in
0: my mind that you have helped many parents navigate a sense of loneliness and and have been a huge part of so many villages. I have no doubt in my mind.
2: Thank you. Yeah. We've spoken
0: with you before
1: about growing up in another country. I mentioned that earlier that you grew up in Finland. And in our previous conversations, we've talked about how different it was compared to the experiences of children raised here in the United States yeah can you share a bit about your childhood and how that has influenced how you've approached your work over the years
2: yeah yeah so one of the beautiful things that I got from my childhood is like independence and freedom because Finland is it's like just such a safe country Like I would be like when I was five and six years old, like my mom didn't even know where I was. I would just go to the woods. We lived in the countryside. I would just go to the woods. So I would go to the fields to say hello to the cows or whatever. I was constantly talking with nature, the trees and the birds and the plants and whatever. So through that, I also learned to trust myself because I had those opportunities. So in in Finland and to this date, children are way more independent and that is actually in alignment with child development because kids really what, they, what developmentally, what they need is more and more and more and more independence. So my independence was even manifested as when I started high school, I moved away from home. It, not because things were bad or anything like that. I remember my best friend and I, we were like 12 or 13 years old. We went to a summer cabin together, just the two of us, because that's, that was just a normal thing. Like we knew how to take care of ourselves at age 12. So went to a summer cabin and we came up with this idea. We want to go to this particular high school. That was a really good high school. And it was like, you know, four hour drive away from where we were living at the time. So When it came time to start high school, that's exactly what we did. We moved away from home, rented an apartment, got a job, went to school. So things like that. So sometimes when I talk to parents here in the United States about like, how to allow your child to be more independent sometimes i get these big eyes <laughs> like looking at me but it it really is important and and you can see that even in europe still like if you if you have traveled in europe you will notice there are young children traveling to and from yeah. school using public transportation by themselves so that, that's one of the biggest gifts that I have gotten from growing up in Finland is that sense of independence. And it truly is a beautiful gift because through that, children learn to trust themselves. Yeah. It gives them confidence. It really allows them to, you know, figure out the world on their own. You know, that's what it's really, it's about discovering the world, learning to navigate the world and figuring out for themselves versus having somebody to figure it out for them.
1: Oh, absolutely. As you were talking, I've noticed that in myself, I I wouldn't necessarily call myself a helicopter parent, but I Mm -hmm. definitely recognize ways that I have, I do more things for my kids than I had done for me when Mm. I was growing up and just Mm -hmm. how to provide them with a better sense of independence yeah, because they begin to rely on it. Yeah. On on me doing things for them, my husband and
2: I. Exactly. It's like robbing away. And I use a very strong word on purpose. It's like robbing away opportunities to have a sense of mastery. Like kids get to struggle. Like when I have like little children in my office, they have some small toy or something that they are trying to work it out or get things just so I let them struggle. I let them struggle. And the the joy in their faces when they like finally figure out how to do that is just priceless and so when we allow kids to be independent and we let them struggle and we let them figure things out on their own they have a sense of mastery self-confidence sense of agency they really learn to you know trust and rely on themselves they feel really good about themselves now, the biggest problem with that is the, the busyness and the rushing of the children. So that is usually what comes in the way is kids are rushed. So now parents are tying their shoelaces. They are dressing them up. They are fixing the food. There's all kinds of and and also the companies have provided a lot of like things for children that actually don't support the development like All these things like a little yogurt in a pouch, like super easy, convenient. I get it, but developmentally doesn't teach a child anything versus put the yogurt in a bowl, get a spoon, and now you are learning to eat it this way that you are supposed to. So, But all that takes time. And so in our busy society, I think we are really forgetting the child who lives in a completely different time experience. And so all that takes more time and patience, really. Patience Pat- is a
0: big, a big piece of that for sure. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Behind the Behaviors, a 10-week online course designed to redefine what differences really mean. Dr. Joni Johnson helps participants navigate through the misconceptions of ADHD, autism, learning disabilities, mood disorders, and other behavioral problems. Dr. Joni walks you from a place of fear to acceptance, providing an overview of challenging behaviors, teaching you ways to embrace the superpowers of invisible disabilities, exploring why autism in girls is often missed, understanding the different interventions and medications that are available, exploring effective communication techniques, discussing the new normal of parenting children with special needs, And talking about what to do if you the adult are the one with adhd or autism and covering strategies and techniques for managing those challenging behaviors behind the behaviors is designed for anyone interested in learning more about autism and adhd and is based on the extensive feedback dr joni has received from the countless workshops she has led on these topics past course participants include doctors Teachers and parents, we are excited to offer listeners of Mama Needs a Moment a very generous fifty percent discount on Dr. Joni's Behind the Behaviors online course. Using the link provided in our show notes, enter the code at checkout. Her Health Collective. I just recently, a few months ago, finished reading No Such Thing as Bad Weather, and I thought of you. I, I remembered this conversation that we had had before about yeah your childhood and how you were raised. And it was such an eye-opening book. There was so much I wanted to implement, but then there's so much that I feel living where we live and just the way our society is structured that you're kind of hampered in, in doing, but it, it is a beautiful concept and it is eye-opening at least to just read it. I, I definitely recommend reading that book, as a great book. You have been working with families and children for over 20 years. You have a lot of of experience throughout this time period. You have accumulated a long list of practice areas and you've already mentioned some of them. You do do treatment of anxiety disorders, depression, grief and loss, trauma, as you mentioned, addictions, problematic behaviors in children, screen time, which I know Mm -hmm. you're very passionate about. We've had the opportunity to speak with you on that before transformational parenting, which we'll be talking about a bit more later. Over the years, as you've been working with clients, your specialties have most likely changed. What do you consider your heart these days, your your area of specialty at this point in your life, and, and what has sort of caused that shift for you?
2: Yeah, you know, lately, so starting, well, going on maybe two years now, ever since I stepped into the world of transformational leadership, that's when a lot of light bulbs started to come on, and it, it was like connecting a lot of dots from everything that I have been doing and learning and uh, also experientially in my office and in my work with children. It just everything kind of came together in that moment of going through the transformational leadership programs myself is realizing missing piece because I was like what's the missing piece here for parents like what more can I do what more can I teach how more can I support parents in really connecting with their children creating exceptional relationships and things like that and so when I went through the leadership program I realized like aha it's really the leadership it's really and it's transformational leadership because transformational leadership is all about like Becoming influential, becoming empowering, becoming inspiring, like being inspiring, being empowering versus controlling and coming from a place of creating a relationship and connection. And then with kids, it's all about how do we enroll them into doing their homework? How do we enroll them into brushing their teeth? how do we enroll them teenagers, how do we enroll them to follow rules? So that's what leadership is about, is the ability to evoke a desire in another person to also do something in a particular way for them to also contribute to society and follow by the rules and things like that. So that is, that has been my latest passion is exactly that, transformational leadership. And so I've I've gone through two different programs as a student myself, and then now I've started to also mentor and coach, be a coach, a transformational coach myself, and going through a, a program right now with beautiful 142 students who are going through this experience. So that's what I'm bringing right now to the world of parenting is is leadership because that is what i believe what it takes to transform the life experience from being in a survival mode into thriving you know i think that is
0: so incredibly powerful because i don't think that's often a way you look at parenting but if you think about it parenting is the most intense leadership role you'll likely ever have absolutely yes and I, I think that if you have that mindset shift and you start to think of it as a leadership role, it, it does shift you out of this survival mode. It, it is a more powerful position to kind of, but, and not that, you know, you're pushing and, and pulling, but like you come at it from a place of, of power and confidence. I, I think that that's a really, really amazing mindset shift to explore. I, I love that.
2: Absolutely. And part of the reason why I kind of realized this too is because I I talk to a lot of parents. So one of the main themes that's coming up is feeling powerless, just feeling utterly, completely powerless kids are controlling they are running the social they are not listening they are this they are that and there's a sense of powerlessness so one of the things then that leadership like really learning and and embodying these some of these leadership distinctions and principles is like you said Chrissy is the ability to step into your own power and power I always teach the distinction between power and force so a lot of parenting comes from a place of force when we are coming from a place of force and imagine what happens. So this is a law of physics. When I put force onto something, the physics say it creates the opposite amount of counter force. That's it. You know, if I push the wall behind me, the stronger I push, the stronger I experience that the wall is pushing me back. And this is what parents are doing with their kids. They're pushing, pushing, pushing and resisting, getting into power struggles, all these things, because they are coming from a place of force. So force is, has to do with control, having an agenda. Things have to be my way, only my way. It's about being right this is how it's supposed to look like this is what you need to do and all this kind of creates this uh, struggle between parents and children and it's exhausting it is utterly utterly exhausting right and it creates a lose-lose situation because no parent ever feels good at the end of the day when you lay your head down to the pillow and the kids feel like I'm not important. Nobody listens to me. They feel powerless. Everybody feels powerless when we come from that place. Now, then power, what true power is, is kind of like gravity. It does not take any effort for gravity to be gravity, right? It just is. It does not take any effort for the ocean to be an ocean. It does not take any effort for a hurricane to be a hurricane. It just is. So that's what true power is. So true power comes from a deeper way of being and meaning. So let's take love, the most powerful force in this universe. So when we choose to create love, this is completely effortless, as long as the love is unconditional and we don't expect anything in back. So that you choose to show up as a loving to your children to your partners to your friends in life in general loving unconditionally take zero effort that's not forceful yet it's the most powerful thing that yeah and so that is the way to step into your power actually is through your ways of being oftentimes also for parents it's vulnerability it's authenticity it's the ability to say i don't know I have no idea. I have no idea what I should do right now. What do you think? What are the most powerful questions? Like sometimes when I do play therapy with kids or something's going on, I ask them, like even a four-year-old, little four-year-old can answer this. Like, okay, what would you do if you were mommy or daddy? And they have the answers. That's i give them beautiful- more treats.
0: That's probably what they
2: mean. <laughs> i give them more treats. <laughs> They might say that. Yeah. But like if there, if there's a problem and then you can be playful with that and you can take it like, yeah, take it to like outrageous level. But if there's a problem, usually they come up with some kind of solution. And usually the solution is something that we adults don't even think about.
1: Sure. We've done this before with our kids where we've looked at them and we've said, what do you think your consequence should be? And sometimes they'll give a tougher consequence than we would have given. Yeah. Oh, we should lose TV for a day and a half, and we'd be like, okay then.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right.
1: Well, in your clinical practice, you use some of the traditional therapy met- methods, which are things like cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. EMDR therapy. You mentioned play therapy. And you you also use other different modern <laughs> treatment modalities
2: yeah a lot of like uh, somatic like somatic experiencing I am not certified in that but somatic experiencing just means like connecting with your body also yoga so mm-hmm. sometimes whenever it fits then we can use yoga, for example, to create an experience of, especially with people who have trauma. So we can uh, do yoga and certain movements to create an experience of being centered or grounded or being powerful or having a choice. Because when people have experienced a lot of trauma, a lot of the times it's powerlessness and not being in control. But when we realize, like, hey, I can, I can move my neck. To the right, and I can decide how far I move my neck. And now I become aware of that. Or maybe I move it to the left, and or up and down. Then that is actually creating an experience of choice. Mm-hmm. I'm being in control through moving the body. So, well,
1: what's yeah, so interesting,
2: Paula, is that you're
1: known to weave in a variety of different ways to connect with the unconscious, like yes. like through yoga. Yeah. Um, and it's ways to connect with the wisdom of the body and the psyche by using various different techniques, such as some people say young, some people say young, union, um, from mm-hmm. Carl Jung, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. sand play therapy. You use art and music, body mm-hmm. work, you mentioned the somatic experience. Uh, you also do stuff in dream analysis, symbolic interpretation fairy tales and myths, which I thought was amazing, (laughs) guided imagery, meditation. Can you share more where you got the idea to think creatively with your treatment methods and how you use these various different unconventional approaches in your practice and how you interweave them into the various different other treatment modalities we talked about previously?
2: Right, right. Yeah. Again, it goes to the principle of whatever it takes whatever it takes <laughs> so all this is coming really from my personal journey and my my personal curiosity my desire to learn so i I've, I've studied carl jung for years and i've like i just found the unconscious so fascinating i i analyze my own dreams i try to always connect with because we we have to like nine, 95% Of our awareness is unconscious we are only so whatever we think we know is only five percent of what actually exists so that is why symbolic work like um, symbolism or dreams and even with children like when was this oh yeah yeah it was a couple weeks ago one of my clients you know just I was talking about the dream like this is a child and you know she had like this big old rat in her dream so now we are like okay, let's look at what does rat mean like what is the symbolic meaning of a rat so it's it's intervening all that into my work and for me it comes very intuitively there's no formula to it it's just like, I just feel it. I just feel it. Okay, now we get to do this. Now we get to go here with this. And it comes from a lot of experience as, as well as you know my, my education as well. But I think it's important as a therapist to have a repertoire. It's like a toolbox. Like imagine if you have a huge toolbox, you only have two tools there. You have cognitive behavioral therapy and you have something else there. That's not really going to meet every person's needs. So me as a therapist and a transformational parent coach, I want to have a toolbox that's full of different things that we can try. And we can pull one thing. We can take the wrench and sort of try. Is this working? No, it's not. Let's take something else. Is this working? Okay, this is working. So that's where that comes from. And it's really beautiful to be able to be, to be a private practitioner. Because for me, all this is about self-expression. I hated working at the hospital. I worked four years as a, as a social worker in a psychiatric hospital. And for me, it was really difficult because, you know, you, you, you've you got to follow the guidelines. You've got to follow the treatment methods there. You've got to do things their way, which was a lot of the times contrary to what I would have done. So as soon as I got my licensing hours, I was out of there and started my <laughs> private practice. <laughs> No, I
0: I definitely get that being in any kind of bureaucratic institution can definitely hamper what you're able to do. I'm going to read a little blurb for you from your website, and I'm so excited to ask you this question and to dive into this with you just a little bit. So let's do it. Okay. (laughs) The bio on your website states, negative or traumatic experiences in our childhood ends up shaping the view of who we are. Our parents or others around us may send us negative messages that we unconsciously take in and start to believe. A negative storyline begins to develop about ourselves as we may grow up thinking that I'm not good enough or I'm unlovable. Feelings of worthlessness and shame develop as a result of hurtful or abusive behavior of others, often from the ones we love. That may send us ever deeper into self-hatred, anxiety, anger, or depression. Often... That hurtful behavior from a parent or loved one, I believe, is unintentional. I I don't necessarily think it's always an intentional thing. Correct. As parents, how do we ensure that we are not imparting this on our
2: own children, this, this same story? That's an absolutely fantastic question. I love it. And the answer is awareness. You, you get to do your own work because these so basically we are talking about a, a paradigm or pattern that develops when we grow up under certain conditions. Like like I, I said in that thing, you know, we grow up believing like I grew up believing I'm unimportant. Nobody cares about me. I'm unworthy. I'm unlovable. So what ended up happening is I recreated that scenario in my life over and over again in in relationships and just constantly responding to situations from that place. I still do to this date. However, now I know to shift because I know that that story is just a story that has been told to me by others, by my parents and other caretakers that, like you said, Chrissy, they didn't know any better. Like I know, like with my father, for example he had no idea how to express his emotions. He had no idea how to deal with two kids and divorce and all these things. He was not vulnerable. He he had no idea what intimacy meant. And I know that both of my parents and their hearts of hearts, they loved me. But as a child, I don't know that. As a child, I'm not going to go as an eight-year-old like, oh, my parents are just a little stressed out right now and they are taking this stuff on me it's not really about me like no child is ever going to like have that level of awareness and insight so the main thing that you can do to not pass this on to the children is to heal your own traumas heal your own wounds really going there really looking at your own own upbringing your own your own relationship with your mom with your dad And feel the feeling. So in trauma work, we always talk about walking through the wound or like feeling is healing. We cannot escape our emotions ever. Doesn't matter how much we try to repress them. They don't go away. Sometimes parents think like, well, I'm nothing like my parents. I'm just going to do the exact opposite thing that my parents did. And I'm good to go. And that doesn't work either because now you're totally rigid. Now people are totally rigid and inflexible. You are still not standing in the in neutrality. It's this place of neutrality where you can respond to your child. You can step this way or that way. So even being like completely opposite and making this vow that I'm just going to be completely opposite, you are already given your power away in that. And we also give it away on the other side where we are unaware and we just keep, this is where intergenerational patterns come in because we know from research, the way, way we were parented is the way we're gonna parent children, except when we become aware of our own actions. So that's like, that's why in, in my program and in my work, we, oh, the work is not about the child, the work is about the parent. So that they can unleash themselves from these patterns of their own traumas, patterns of their own hurts and really become aware of how that is being played out in a relationship with your child. So that when you are feeling powerless, let's say your kid is not listening and you're feeling powerless, that your powerlessness is, is coming from your childhood because your parent didn't listen to you. So now you're just replaying that in the present moment. And when you're powerless with your child, there's nothing you can do from that place. You can't create an alternative possibility or solution. So the healing in that is realizing like, aha, I'm just reliving my own pattern here. I'm actually not powerless. My kiddo is literally five or four or whatever it is. <laughs> and um, that, then stepping into your power. It's interesting.
0: I was talking to a friend. She does not have any children yet, but I think she uses me as like an experiment and asks all the questions. So yeah, she, like, how is it like? Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. <laughs> so she was asking me a bunch of questions and I don't remember what the question was, but basically I was like, well, I think parenting is really a lot of re-parenting yourself that is what it is. Like you have to reparent yourself in order to be a quote unquote good parent. And what I'm hearing you say, and what I am realizing in my own journey is that it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Like you have to walk through the muck and it's not always pretty and it doesn't always feel good, but awareness is your answer then. Correct. the only way to get there.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And here's the most important thing. If you don't remember anything else from this podcast, remember this. It's never about the thing. It's never about the thing. (laughs) So we always like, we get into arguments about this or that. It's never about that. So always like, so the solution is to dig deep and, Anytime you blame your child, you are in a mindset of, like, they need to do this differently, fix them, you know. And I know this because that's why kids come to therapy. It's like, you know, parents bring them, fix my, there's something wrong with my kid, there's this and there's that. This blaming and projecting onto the child is actually, you know, you're shooting yourself in the foot because... Now, it doesn't allow yourself to to, do that internal reflective work. So the first question is always like, how, like, what's coming up for me? You know, what am I experiencing here? You know, so being triggered, so to speak, like, okay, where is that coming from? What am I feeling? When did I feel this as a child? What is this plugged into in the past for me? That's how you raise that awareness and then when you do that work then you can make a choice versus just react because when we are it's just trigger reaction trigger reaction and then on we go really exhausting and and a negative experience for everybody but if you go like trigger trigger happens like aha like your buttons are your buttons we all have buttons (laughs) so we get to own our buttons We get to embrace our buttons. We get to realize that the buttons are there to actually teach us something about who we are and how we are, what happened to us as a child. So the thing is never about the thing. It's always about our own traumas and life experiences. And that's how we heal. That's how we heal through that. And now we can actually, the beautiful thing is like suddenly, like you see that your child as your child actually is versus you know, through the lens of your own experience. Now they can have their freedom and you can have your freedom too. Paula,
1: you've developed a six-month transformational parenting program. We, we briefly mentioned it earlier, and you also offer one-on-one coaching based on your 20 years of experience working with children and families. You mentioned on your website, I believe is where this was mentioned, that the three months in the Transformational Leadership Program that you took equal 10 years of therapy. Mm-hmm. Will you please tell us more about the Transformational Leadership Program and why you believe it was a life changer for you? But we'd also like you to talk a little bit about how you used this program to create your own parenting program and what that creative process was like to develop a parenting program of your own.
2: Yeah, Awesome, awesome. I love it. Yeah, so the first time I stepped into the my first leadership program, I went there thinking like oh, I know it all. There's I don't know what is this, what is this program gonna give me? Like I'm a therapist, I blah blah blah. I'm this and totally self-righteous, totally self-righteous, and looking around, like okay, who are these people? Blah blah blah. And I had no idea. No idea of the level of disconnection in my life, fear of intimacy, because I was just in my own story. I was living in my own story. And the beautiful thing about this program, and it's put together by Hardcore Leadership, and it's, it's an experiential program where a group of people go through a journey of experiences together where this group of people becomes your mirror. So we go through uh, different exercises and things like that. And as I'm going through those things, I realized that I was very disconnected because I'm constantly working, 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 working. Like my friends literally like had to schedule like, oh, let me look at my schedule and maybe two weeks in, I could maybe have a dinner with you. I mean... That was really messed up to me. And I I never saw myself like that. But when I started to get feedback, because the the program and everybody in the program are a mirror for me, this is what I was hearing and learning about myself. You know, how there was a level of authenticity that I hadn't reached yet, holding back not not revealing myself vulnerably how I was a taker because I was always being a taker means like I'm I'm not showing up as my fully authentic self I'm holding back so anytime I don't write an email to my community anytime I'm feeling anxious or nervous about like oh am I gonna say the right thing or what should I you know going on Facebook Live or something like that I'm a taker I'm taking away from people. So this really opened up my eyes to a level of almost like having this very cocooned life that was very structured. It was just built around this story that I had around uh, about myself and how there was still a lot of healing to be done, even though I had done a lot of healing, but the healing is happens in layers. There was still a lot of healing to be done from my childhood, from my relationships with my parents. And now that I'm going through it again, and I've done a couple other programs, there's always something new that comes up. So it's this idea like, we don't know what we don't know. That's why over and over I keep jumping in to these leadership containers. And now I'm like stretching, like stretch myself to a place that I never imagined that i Be here it's kind of like a balloon like when you blow the balloon for the first time and then when you release it it's actually bigger than it was and then you blow it again it's bigger than it was so that's what's happening in my life where my plate is my, my schedule is fuller than it's ever ever been and I have time for myself I'm more connected to my friends and my family than I've ever been And I'm actually living a life through that intimacy and connection because life is now. That's what I also realized. Life is now. We don't know when our time comes. So we get to use every single opportunity to be open-hearted. So that's what I learned also in the program is just how to be committed. And it's not perfect all the time. And there's breakdowns that happen. Just recently, I had a breakdown where I, again the same old pattern feeling like my friends had a dinner and I wasn't invited and nobody told me and I'm important and da 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 like full-on breakdown but instead of wallowing it for days and days and days sometimes weeks years in my marriage I did that years in my marriage feeling like I was a huge victim I'm so hurt blah 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 now I I'm, because of leadership leadership is about shifting so then I call everybody and I, I step into my responsibility, realizing I have sourced this breakdown for myself because of my own story that I don't matter. I'm not important. And then I discover that like none of it was about me anyways. None of this stuff that happens usually that we think is about ourselves. It never it's, not is, about, right? it's never about ourselves. Yeah. So it's really the key to that leadership is responsibility we are responsible. So level four responsibility is being responsible for your past, present and future all the time. Anything like we, we call it in leadership, we use the term source, we are a source. I sourced a parking ticket yesterday. <laughs> so again, we know that the victim perspective, like victim perspective for getting a parking ticket would be like, ah, geez, you know, I got this ticket and Look at the, it was a fire hydrant that was hiding in the bushes. So I'm like, that's not fair. The fire hydrant was hiding in the bushes. I didn't even see, they shouldn't have given me a ticket. And now I'm being a victim to the circumstances because I'm blaming the the fire hydrant being in the bushes. In leadership, the the way it looks like to step into responsibility, even with the stuff like a ticket is, "Uh uh-huh. I am responsible for the ticket because I did not pay attention to details. I was unaware. I'm rushing. I didn't give myself enough time. I was going going to a yoga class. I didn't give myself enough time to be aware of my environment, to really know what's going on, to be present and connected. It's my responsibility. And now I'm in my power, actually.
0: Yeah, and 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 I I love the taking ownership of your story, too. Yeah. It's so powerful.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then I get to look at like, okay, the, the parking ticket is a gift because like, okay, wow, where else in my life am I not paying attention? Because the way we do anything is the way we do everything. So then I get to look at that. Where else am I not paying attention in my life? That's
0: powerful right there. Yeah, it's very powerful. Right.
2: Yeah. Thank you so
0: much, Paula. That is absolutely wonderful. I guess as we wrap up our incredible time with you, do you have one sentence that you would tell every mom or would want every mom to hear if, if you could?
2: Yes, you are love. You are love. You are abundance. You are generosity. And when you tap into that, realizing that you already are these things, you can stop trying. You can stop beating yourself up if you don't get it right every time. And that's okay. This is beautiful for children. You don't have to be a perfect mom. You don't. Absolutely. And it is through this imperfection. It's this imperfection that creates the beauty of life and relationship. It's through a breakdown that you have with your child that you can get to a bigger breakthrough. So be kind and compassionate and forgiving towards yourself.
0: You are such a light and beautiful energy. And we just love when we get to share time with you. Thank you so, so so much.
2: Thank you, Paul. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for inviting me. (laughs)
0: Wow. I loved listening to Paula share about transformational parenting. I am so inspired and I cannot wait to implement some of the things I learned today. Here are our top three takeaways from our conversation with Paula. One, so much of parenting is re-parenting ourselves. It's almost always our own stuff that comes into play. Paula said she often asks this question. Okay, who do I get to be right now for this child to be able to fully express themselves and heal themselves? And the answer is awareness. We all grow up hearing certain messages and have ingrained less than helpful beliefs that will negatively impact us as adults. Most of our parents did not have ill intentions toward us, their children. They wanted to be a good parent and they wanted for us, their child, to know that we were loved. But none of us are perfect and parenting is hard. Our parents all had their own baggage they were working through. In that process, and especially if they didn't take the time to work through any of their stuff, they likely laid some of that stuff at our door. But it is through awareness that we are able to stop the pattern from repeating itself with our own children. The goal is always to see your child as they actually are, not through the lens of your own experience. Two, I loved Paula's discussion on stepping into parenting from a leadership role. So much of parenting comes from a place of force. As the law of physics says, when I apply force on something, it will return an equal amount of counterforce back. The same applies with our children. Force has to do with control having an agenda, having things be my own way, perfectionism, being right. All of those create a constant struggle between parent and child. This is exhausting. It's a lose-lose situation and it causes everyone to feel powerless. Power, according to Paula, comes from a deeper way of being and meaning. It is effortless, like gravity or a hurricane, love, is the most powerful force of all. So when we choose to create love, true unconditional love, it is completely effortless. When you choose to show up with complete love in your heart towards your children, your partner, your friends, life in general, that is the best way to step into your power. It is through love, vulnerability, and authenticity. In parenting, It's often the ability to look at our child and say, I don't know, I have no idea. I have no idea what I should do right now. What do you think? Three, giving our kids the chance to struggle in order to master tasks is essential. And yet it seems to be harder and harder to do as our generation of parents is constantly on the move, jumping from one activity to another. Letting our kids do things for themselves certainly takes way more time and requires a lot of patience on the part of the parent. But not giving our children these opportunities to grow their independence is robbing them of vital skills. It's robbing them of the opportunity to develop a sense of mastery. When we allow kids to be independent and let them struggle, let them figure things out on their own, they develop a sense of mastery, self-confidence, self-agency. They really learn to trust and rely on themselves. They feel good about themselves. The joy in their faces when they finally figure out how to do a task all on their own is priceless. The biggest challenge is the constant busyness and rushing. We always have somewhere to be and have to get there now, now, now. So now parents are tying their kids shoelaces, dressing them, fixing the food because they have to rush out the door and there's no time to wait. Yet, if we remember our children are living and operating in a completely different time experience and they are not rushing anywhere, as often as we can and our schedule allows, if we can slow down and let them take the reins, let them take their time. Trust me, I know it requires immense patience on the part of the parent, but it does give that child the chance to struggle, learn and master those vital new skills. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care.
1: Bye-bye, friends. We've enjoyed hanging out with you. Follow us so you're the first to know
0: when we drop a new episode. If you enjoyed your time with us, let us know by leaving a review. We always love hearing from you. Until next time, stay true to you.